morning, everybody. It's good to see everybody out here. I already see people being festive with Christmas sweaters. I love that. Good to see. I already got my lights up. Come on, somebody. Like, I got them up. I don't care. You, no, you don't boo that. You yay that. You yay that. If I'm putting the effort in there, I'm doing it for two months, not one. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? Hey. It's going to be a kooky day. Good morning, everybody. Glad you're here. Uh, everybody here, all, all of you watch online, uh, hello to you as well. And I do, I do wanna join in with Aaron on this Veterans Day holiday. And I just wanna recognize all the serv- military servicemen and women as my stepdad, John, and brother-in-law, Kent. Just again, man, God bless you. God bless your families. Thank you for your service. Thank you so much uh, just to recognize you and say thank you. We just wanna honor you today. Uh, but let's get to it. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them, get them out. And we're gonna be in 2 Corinthians 8 today. 2 Corinthians eight. And so what we've been doing uh, over the last several weeks is we've been looking in on um, Christian living, what the Christian life looks like, the characteristics of what salvation does. That's just where we are in God's story. So in in January, we started this by looking at creation and, and, and God's promise of a savior. And so that was really the Old Testament. And then we move from that uh, to, to looking in on the testimonies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We studied that, looking in on who Jesus was, that he was God in the flesh. And so we studied his, his life, death, and resurrection. Uh, and then we turned the page after that and, and went to the book of Acts to, to look in on the first church, how it was created and the decisions they had to make, the things that they needed to get going after Jesus ascended into heaven. Uh, and so now where we are in God's story is we are just in a series of letters of the New Testament. That's really what most of the New Testament is comprised of. It's these letters that are written to churches to guide and help believers in living out their faith and belief in Jesus. So, so really the premise is that, that once you believe in Jesus, then, then God will begin and continue a change process in your life. And our job as Jesus followers is to allow God's change process to happen in our lives. So basically what I'm saying is you won't stay the same as a believer in Jesus if you, if you follow and allow God to work in your life. So, so what we're looking at is you're just, you're just gonna do life differently. That's what we've been talking about. You're gonna, you're gonna live differently. You're gonna do marriage differently. You're going to parent differently. You're gonna work differently. You're gonna love different with forgiveness and grace and all of those things going on. It's just what happens as we allow God's truth in on our lives. And so today uh, we're gonna continue that by looking at how God calls us to look at money differently. That's what we're gonna look at. There is an attitude that God wants to foster in believers in Jesus in regards to money and what we do with it and generosity and his call on our lives. And here's the thing that I wanna get out there today. Um, what we're gonna look at today when it comes to, to money and finances, all stuff, I'm telling you this goes way further than finances. This, I'm tell, this is a key uh, to far more in our lives. And it's actually why I believe Jesus talked about it so much. I don't know if you knew this or not, but Jesus actually talked about money twice as much as he talked about heaven and hell. That's just something to think about. Uh, in the parables of Jesus, these stories that he made up to point to a truth about God and his kingdom, he used money as an analogy or in a topic in 11 of his 39 parables. So that's like one out of every four, he was talking about money. Uh, and I don't know if you knew about this, but there are over 500 verses in the Bible uh, that cover prayer. Do you wanna take a stab at how many are in there that cover finances and money? 
2,000, there are 2,000 verses. And, and, and here's the thing, it makes sense. It makes sense to me because money is such a universal subject and we all have to deal with it no matter how much we have or how much we wish we had, right? Like we all have to deal with it. It's a universal thing. And in fact, we even learn about money from a very early age, right? And I'm keenly aware of this with a 10-year-old and an eight-year-old. Sometimes it amazes me how much they know about money. And at the same time, it amazes me how much they don't know about money, everybody. It's like, there's this weird on-off switch. I don't know who controls that thing, but sometimes I'm like, you get it. Sometimes I'm like, what do you think I'm made of here? Like, you know what I'm saying? I don't wish I knew where that switch was to turn it on and off for them. Actually, the other day, uh, one of my kids was wanting, uh, they really serious about this. They wanted to start a savings account. We didn't have a savings account for them. And that was hilarious to me because they can't save a dime to save their lives. You know what I'm saying? Like, I really think they believe that if something gets in their wallet, it will disappear within a certain amount of time. So you might as well spend it. Like, that's where I think they are with this. Uh, but this is a true story. So we were talking about this. And like the next couple of days later, uh, their 529 statements came in the mail. It's like the college savings plan. So I opened it up and I tried to kind of trick them. I said, hey, kids, come over here. And I said, hey, look, there's your savings account. And they looked at the number and they went, we're rich. And I was like, that's not even a semester's worth of savings, but okay, whatever. And so we'll see how long that lasts before they think I'm bamboozling them. Uh, so, so let's talk about money. Let's talk about this money. And, and before, before we get going, I do want to say this. I do want to say this, and I'm, I love that I get saved. River Ridge Church, you're a generous church. You are a generous church. I, and I'm so glad that I get to say that. I'm gonna share some things here uh, in a little bit about that. But I love that I get to say that. I love that I get to say we are not in need. We are not in any kind of rough shape and we don't need your money. Uh, but I do wanna, why I wanna talk about this today and why I think this is so important is here's what I know too. Even though we're not in a rough place, I know that there are a lot of people that, that you would say that you are in rough shape when it comes to money and personal finances. And man, where we're at right now, I mean, inflation uh, is, is really bad. It seems like groceries are at an all-time high. Just the necessities are, are getting there. And honest, this is a true story. I, I literally have to cut back on my diet Pepsi consumption. Like that's where we're at. Like it's, for real, it's, I know it's bad when I have to ration my diet Pepsis. That's where we are for real right now in the life of Annie Tool, okay? Uh, but I know for some of you uh, that this is not an area of li your life that is not so encouraging right now. And the last thing you want uh, to hear is, is for me to beat you up about it when it comes to, to God and, and, and what being faithful in your finances looks like. But here's what I want to tell you today, man. God does not want to beat you up. He wants to encourage you. Man, he wants to help you. He wants to show you uh, that, that you can have peace no matter where you are financially. You can have balance if you follow him and you look at what he says and you follow what he says to do about it. So I hope that's where we can get to today. Uh, and so I want to start, we're not getting into 2 Corinthians 8 yet. I want to start just really quick by looking at one little thing that Jesus says. And it's in the book of Matthew. And this is a really simple thing, but it's absolutely true because here's, where I want to start. If, if, if we were in here in this room right now and you're a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, like if I said, hey, uh, like is God more important to you than money? Everybody would pass that test. Everybody would be like, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah God's way more important. Uh, most every Christian would say that. But there, there is a, a litmus test for this and Jesus gets into this about it with what he says. So, so here's what he says about it in Matthew 6, 21. He tells us this, he goes, hey, so for wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so what, what is Jesus saying right here? Well, Jesus is saying 
that it's really easy to see and tell what you love. Just look at where your money goes. That's what he's saying. Like, it's pretty easy for all of us to say, okay, what do I really love beyond the necessities and things like that? He says, just look at where your money goes. He's, Jesus is being very practical here to us on this principle. He's simply saying, you can see what love value you place on pretty much anything, not just God, anything, right? Hobbies, you know, like just whatever it is on top of that and God as well. You can look at what love value you place on things by looking at where your money goes. And, and why I wanna start here is because honestly, gang, this is more about what he just said right here. This, Jesus is telling us something profound in here about what matters to God. And he just says it right there because the same thing goes for God when he sees us. See, here it is. Like, here's what I wanna say about you first. And I'll talk about God. Like, I hope you know this. Your stuff, your money does not care about you. But I wanna tell you something. You have a heavenly father who does care about you. He cares immensely about you. And what God is saying from this and what we're gonna talk about today is here's what he's telling you. It's not about your money. He goes, I want your heart. That's where my heart is. That's my treasure, that you're my treasure. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your stuff. It's just, he doesn't want your money and your stuff to get you. That's the whole point. He wants your heart. And this is what the gospel tells us over and over again. And I cannot overstate how powerful that is what I just told you. Listen, that once you get this, I'm telling you the, the power in it, that you have a God, you have a God who isn't materialistic, but he is heart-centric, so powerful to know. So powerful to understand. So we're gonna read a few things in here. We're gonna stay in 2 Corinthians. We can go in a ton of places. Like I just said, there's tons of verses about it, but we're gonna be in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. We're gonna be, and really, this isn't in our reading plan, but I encourage you to read both chapters. It's, it's two solid chapters on money and generosity. So we're gonna be in and out of this. But again, I want you to read both of these. But here's what's happening before we get to this. So Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and he's writing from another church in Macedonia, all right? And he's telling this church in Corinth what he's seeing happening there. He's like, I'm just gonna report to you what I'm seeing. So this is the premise of it. And we're gonna pick this up in verse one in 2 Corinthians 8. And so he goes, so, so I wanna tell you, brothers and sisters, that we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. And so what he's saying here, he's like, hey, you need to know something amazing happened in this church, that they experienced an outpouring of God's grace and it changed people. Like it, it made them different. It made them uncommon. That's what he was trying to say. And so here's what happens. This is in the next verse. So he says, man, God's grace was on him. He goes, so here's what happened in the midst of a very severe trial for them. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Now, what struck me here is probably what kind of sticks out to you if, if you looked at this. It says that they were in a trial with extreme poverty and they had not joy, but they had overflowing joy. And, and, and what I want you to see, because this is really important to understand right here. It's really important to understand about generosity. In verse one, we just read a little bit ago, when Paul started this, okay, he said, I want to tell you about the grace that God has given this church. And so he's saying, God's grace is at work. 
Like it's present, it's there. They are experiencing God's manifestation of grace on them. And he's saying, it's what I wanna see in you. And I think that's what he's telling us to do. I wanna see it in your church. But what I also want you to see is that he never says the affliction or poverty goes away. You've gotta see that. A lot of people, I think a lot of people get really messed up when it comes with God and, and finances. And I think a lot of people think, well, if I'm generous and if I, if I give my money like God says, then God will make me rich. God will make me wealthy. It's actually what some, some people teach and preach. It's called the prosperity gospel. But I hope you know that's not the truth. We just read it right there. And that is the, what the entire Bible points to as well. That's not what the gospel says. But I also want you to catch this. I want you to catch this about us and God and joy and money. God is trying to tell us something big, that our joy doesn't come from being well off financially, that our joy doesn't come from the absence of suffering or trials. It doesn't come from good health and it doesn't come from the absence of suffering. This joy, listen, this joy that overcomes and overflows and fills our hearts, it comes from another place. He said it already, it comes from God. It comes from God. And it cannot, that kind of joy cannot be mistaken from anything that the world has or gives away. It's from the riches of God's grace. And Paul is saying to us, it's amazing. I saw it. It's palpable. I could feel it. It was there. And I want you to have the same thing. So, so what I want us to catch here is Paul didn't start with a need that God has, but a grace that he wants to give. You, you follow me, somebody? That's what he's starting with. So God doesn't need money. Never did, doesn't want it. He's not talking about this. This never has to do with what God wants from us. It, it has everything to do with what he wants for you and what he wants for us as a church. So then Paul goes into the rest of chapter eight. Again, I really encourage you to read. We want time to get into all of it. And he just starts talking uh, about, he's challenging the church in Corinth because they made a, a decision a year before that to, to do what they said. He's like, I want you to follow through. But what he says, he goes, hey man, you guys are way better off than this church that I'm in. And I, you're not really experiencing everything that they are. I want, what he says though is really neat because he's like, you are, see, you're doing, you're so well off. Like you are using your gifts. We talked about that last week. He's like, man, you, you're faithful. You're growing in your knowledge of God. You are accomplishing so much. But then he says, but now you need to continue that with your generosity. That's what he says. Okay, the, the, the generosity for us to catch is it's the same thing as using your gift. It's the same thing as, as growing in your faith. It's the same thing as as you follow Jesus. It's just one more, it's just another thing that he's saying, this is a marker. This is what we see happen. And so in chapter nine, we come into this uh, with all that background, Paul then encourages that church to give, okay? That yes, there is a need. There is a need in the poor. There is a need around us that we have to, to be a part of it. But, but what he's always trying to point out, there's a, it's a much bigger picture than that. It's not just about giving to a need. So let's pick this up. We're gonna be in chapter nine, if you're in there, and we're gonna pick this up in verse six. So this is what he says with all that in context, okay? He says, so just remember this, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart. This is all about heart, okay, to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able, this is what he's saying the result is, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. It's a little bit of a different message when it comes to giving, right? Like he's saying, I don't, here's what I love what he's saying. He's like, I'm not here to guilt you into giving. 
I don't want you to do it under compulsion. I, I, in fact, in chapter eight, when you read this again, because I know you will, when you go back today after lunch and read this, he says in verse eight in chapter eight, I'm not even commanding you to do it. You're off the hook of the command. You, I'm not even commanding you to do it. This isn't about any of that. And so, so now for us, let's go to us, for us. What I want to, as your pastor talking to this church, it's the same thing. I want to give you the same message. This isn't about guilting, guilting you into giving. It's not about that or giving to, the, giving to the church that way. In fact, and why I don't want to say it, it never works anyways. It's actually really funny. Like no matter how hard I try to say, don't do it. Like there is, you could always tell, if you just looked at a graph of like, give, you could always tell when we talk about money because there's a spike on that one Sunday and then it goes right back down. Like it's crazy. It's like, why did we have so much cash that day? You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, I guess I'll get, it never lasts though. You can totally see it go whoop, whoop. Like that's what happens. That's not what I'm about. That's not what I want to be about. I don't want to go after that. I don't want to go after that because I'm just so convinced of this gang. The why is way bigger than the what. And that's what I've experienced in my life, what according to I've experienced in our marriage. And I'm telling you, the why is way more important than the what. I think God is more concerned, not about the fact that you do it, but you do it with this heart that sees his heart. That he says, you're my treasure. And that we respond out of that and nothing else. And so here's what I decided to do today. If you get your notes, you can get your notes out there. I am going to give you, this is gonna be a different message on generosity. I'm just gonna give you four of my reasons. I'm gonna give you four. These are Andy's reasons. Andy's reasons why he gives. These are reasons why, how Courtney and I give. And honestly, they're not exhaustive. The representative and Courtney's top four might be different than my top four. I didn't go through the, actually I did go through these with her, but I didn't ask her because I didn't want to change my message. Anyways, um, so, um, but I just want these, not for you to have to have all of these, okay? But maybe just to encourage you to find some of your own that are rooted in the Bible, or maybe to, to help you, remind you of the wise in your life so we can be encouraged and willing and eager to be the church that Paul wants us to be, okay? So that's so all I'm gonna do, give you my four whys and we'll go through a few things of the character. So here's my first one, my first why, and this one seems like it's obligation, but it's not. But my number one why is obedience, that's Andy's first why. So I wanna, I wanna lay this one out for you because this, this is about, so when I was 17 years old, all right, my life was pretty much out of control. Like I, I was not following God. I would not have said that I was a Christian. Uh, I, I did not care about God. I didn't like God at all. And then all of a sudden, like, I just can't explain. Jesus just changed my life. At 17 years old, I, it, just, it was black. It just went from lost to found. Like I didn't want him. And he said, too bad. And that's how I became, I'm telling you, that's how he invaded my life. And so he completely changed my life. And so here's what happened early on at 17, 18 years old. Without going into a long story, I just uh, gravitated towards trusting God with everything. I just said, well, I, I'm gonna trust him. It was, it was literally blind faith. So I would read something that the Bible said. And if there was an instruction or something that God told me to do, I just would why wouldn't I? Like, why wouldn't I? Like, if you saved my life, I, I'll just go ahead and trust you to do it. Uh, my whole life changed the shirt, right? And so I, I got to this place of thinking, well, God loves me enough to save me. And so when he tells me to do something, that's gotta come from love as well. So I guess I'll just do it. So when I came across God's plan uh, for, for finances and giving, that you give a 10th back to God, I just said, okay. I just said, I'll do it. And honestly, that's all it is, that's it. That's all it took for me. I said, okay, that's what you say to do. I just obeyed, not out of obligation, but I was just so grateful. Like, why wouldn't I? If he's telling me to do it, I'll do it. And I don't know, gang, man, I just wanna say, maybe for some of you here, you just have to have a heart to heart here. 
Like with looking at what God has to say, especially in our culture today, I just, here's for me, I just wanna live in a way, come on somebody, that if God says to do it, I'll do it. You know what I'm saying? I, just, I wanna challenge you as believers of faith. Are you living different? Are you encouraged and so changed by the gospel of Jesus? You're like, God, if you say it, I will do it. I wanna be different. I wanna be uncommon. I'm just saying, if it says it, then do it. And I'm not, and I'm not gonna care if the world says it's crazy or dumb. And I'm telling you, they will tell you that you're crazy or dumb if you give a 10th back to the church. It's just what's going to happen. But it's not out of obligation, it's out of appreciation. That's my first why, I gotta get moving. Here's my second one, vision, vision. So I give to God, because I believe that when I'm a part of a collective, like church, like when I give that, that it does far more than what I could ever do on my own, right? Like, the, 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 and then the vision of the church really matters. And so when the vision of the church is good, I will give the church. And so that's why I give to River Ridge Church. I mean, I would hope that makes sense that I would say that about my own church. But man, here's what I wanna tell you. Honestly, I look around, I've been a part of this church for 13 years, this church plan. I've been a part of this bigger church for a long time, but, but I look around and it's not hard for me to get there. It, it's not hard for me. Three weeks ago, we baptized 30 people. This year alone, 2023, we baptized 67 people. That fires me up. That fires me up, man, because lives are still changing. And I see things like Dollar Club and Mops and Foster West Virginia. And I see Emerge and Momentum with our students where we're reaching people here beyond these walls in our community, students, kids, all around. And it's just not that hard for you. I love that. I love that I get to be a part of a church that does it and sees what God is doing around here. So I just wanna give you a quick state of the church right here. Again, just to let some of you off the hook and say, oh man, he really needs, we don't need it. Here's what I wanna tell you. Right now, right now, even in our current like financial state out there in the world, we are as a church, our, our giving is up. Like we are right now 7% higher than we projected in our giving. I'm just saying, that's amazing. I, I celebrate that, that's awesome. And here's another one. Foster West Virginia, we just started Foster West Virginia. We've just been about a year really talking about that uh, and where we wanna have an impact and come alongside our foster and adoptive care families. And here's what we have right now. This year, we brought in $25,000 in donations to distribute out there and give to the families. And right now we have a store that foster families can just go and take something. We have $10,000 worth of supplies and things and needs for that. That's awesome. I celebrate God for that. That is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got any better. I got any better. Hold your applause. I'm telling you. Since we started Dollar Club, all right, since we started Dollar Club in 2020, all right, we have given over $238,000 to people and organizations out there. Come on, everybody. I mean, I'm just saying, that's amazing. That's straight dollars to things and people outside to bless them in the name of Jesus Christ. It's not very hard for me. It's not very hard for me to see the impact and I hope it's not hard for you either. When we join together with a greater vision that God has for us, we can see God do amazing things. Yes, somebody? So I, and I'm telling you this right now. I'm telling you this right now. I, deci I decided this a long time ago, way before I became a pastor. I, I just decided I refuse to only be a consumer in God's kingdom. I am going to contribute everything I can and that includes being faithful with my finances. I just decided that a long time ago. I don't wanna just consume what he has for me. I wanna give to what he wants to do for the world. Okay, so that's just where I'm at. I give to, to the vision. Here's a third why that I have, uh, blessing. That's the third reason why. Now, this one can get a little messed up with us, so, so I wanna talk about this one. Uh, but God does want to bless us if we have the right heart in giving and be generous with the finances that come our way. Uh, God literally 
says this in the Bible. He's in Malachi 3, you can read it for yourself. We'll talk about this uh, in the beginning of the year sometime soon. But he's, here's what God says. He goes, hey, listen, uh, if you do what I say and you have a heart uh, that I want you to have and you give like I say you give, he says, I will pour out a blessing on you that you will not be able to handle. That's what he basically says. Like, you won't have enough room to get the blessing. Like you won't know what to do with the blessing I'll give you. And then what he says after that, he goes, go ahead and try me. That's what he says. He goes, put me to the test. Who in here is put into the test and say amen to that? Amen. Oh, come on. You need a louder amen to that. I know he's done that. Yeah. And here's where people get messed up with this. They take this as getting more wealth. That's not the blessing. That's not, that's not the blessing. It's not more stuff. It's not more material things. The real blessing to me, this is for me, again, that when I give to God, when I give to God in his kingdom, every single time, what it does is it breaks the grip of materialism that can really take me down. And that's a blessing, trust me. Okay, that is a blessing, okay? And it's why Jesus said it's more blessed to give than receive. There's a blessing in knowing that as I trust God, he will give me what I need always. There's a blessing. Gang, I believe this. Money is just money until God gets involved. 20 bucks is just 20 bucks until you let God have it. Hey, you know, the disciples would have said, the disciples would have said, hey, listen, man, five loaves of two fish or just five loaves of two fish until you give it to Jesus. He'll do something amazing with it. And I just wanna be on that same boat. I just wanna see what God will do with it. So there's a blessing. And here's the fourth, this is my favorite one, joy. Joy is my other why. There is something fun about giving and seeing what it can do. It's just awesome to see. And I love that I'm a part of seeing the things that God does around here. And it makes you, I'm telling you, it's a blessing. It just makes you feel good to say, man, I'm doing something for God in his kingdom. And it's also just, I, for me, again, these are my wives. It is just a joy to respond that way to God and what he's done for my life. It's just a response to me to give back to what he's done for me. It's an expression of joy. And, and I, like I say, Paul, and so when Paul says uh, back there, he says that, that God loves a cheerful giver, right? The, the word cheerful, a lot of you know this, it comes from the Greek word hilaros, which is the word hilarious. Like he loves a hilarious giver. And for me, I think about this. Uh, I love, there's nothing better uh, than getting a laugh, a real laugh from like the people that are really close to me. Like I, there's nothing better than Courtney or Henry or Roxy, like where I can really get them going. It's the best, right? Even, and, and Chad, like if I can really get, especially in the middle of a staff meeting, if I can get him belly laughing, I love it. I love it. It is the best thing, okay? So great. Laughing like that is a gift, isn't it? It's a gift to us. It's freely and joyfully given when you really get it from somebody else. And that's how God wants us to see and give from a sense of joy rather than a sense of duty, okay? So those are my reasons why, okay? And again, they don't have to be yours. I think they're pretty good, uh, but they don't have to be yours. And, and maybe you have some different ones, but I just, man, I want you to get some. I want you to get some reasons why. And I'm just telling you, if you don't have any, then I will probably go back to Matthew 6 and see what Jesus said. And I'll, I wanna challenge you a little bit. Where's your treasure, right? Because that's where your heart is. I'm just telling you. So, so now I want, here's where I wanna end though. I wanna end, because uh, I think it's important not just to see the reasons why, but, but I also wanna just show how this practically looks. Again, we're looking at the characteristics of the Christian life. And so seeing what Jesus followers do. So I'm gonna give us like three sort of characteristics of, of what, what followers of Jesus think and do when it comes to personal finances, okay? And again, this is all response. This is all response. We don't start here. We start with the whys, okay? But when it comes to handling our personal finances, here's what we could do to be generous givers. If you wanna write these down, here's the first one that all believers need to come to recognize, that we recognize that God owns everything. We recognize that God owns everything. And so, 
again, I'm not, I, 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 I should have said this in the beginning. I'm talking to Christians today. Like if you're not a believer in Jesus, I can see how you wouldn't want to believe, follow this. I don't know why you would if you really weren't changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. But as followers of Jesus, we're just changed so much that we're like, yeah, why would, it goes back to why wouldn't I? So, so we recognize, so we, we agree that God owns all of it. All of what? Everything. He owns everything. There is a fundamental characteristics in believers in Jesus Christ. And here's what it is. We see through the lens of this, that everything that comes our way, including our paycheck, comes from God. And here's what the scriptures say about it. Here's what 1 Corinthians says. What do you have that you didn't receive? Like, do you really think that that was what, that you did it? Like, what do you have? And this is 1 Chronicles 29. It says, everything comes from you, God, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Okay, so this is how we see it with us and God. And so in other words, like, so all the Diet Pepsis in the world are God's. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I just love that. That is God's. And I drink it and I say, thank you, God, for your Diet Pepsi. Okay, but we, we recognize everything comes from God. It's not really our, here's the thing, man. It's not ours. It's not yours. You are a manager of it to your heavenly father. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing, characteristic. Then we give to God first. Recognize that it's all from God. And then we give to God first. And so again, for us as Jesus followers, we follow what the Bible says. And there's just a conviction that we have based on what the Bible says to us. And so Courtney and I don't waver on this, okay? We make God first by giving God first. We just give to God first. And what a lot of people call that is a tithe, which means a tenth. And so we give 10%, no questions asked to this church. All right, and I love giving to this church. I already said that. And then on top of that, if we can, we give to other people and other organizations if we have the ability or led by God to do it. But we don't do that on top. We don't take from our tithe. That's just what we do. I don't have time to get into it, okay? But the Bible clearly directs that for us. It does. It's just a black and white thing. So, so we do that. So we do that. So, so if you look at our budgeting spreadsheet, yes, we have one. Uh, it's the first line. It's the very first thing. We don't go down the line and see what's left and say, what does God get? We don't do that. It's the first thing that gets counted, okay? Uh, and then when we meet for our annual budget meeting, you want to talk about a steamy date. Hey, yeah, yeah. We get together and we talk about, hey, let's talk about grocery budget. Hey, hey, you want to get some tires changed? Well, that's what we do, you know? We do that, clothing allowance, hmm. Get it. Okay, but there's a, that's already decided. That's already decided. We don't even talk about that. We're just like, there's the tithe, okay? So we give God the first. Third one, okay, save. You're not gonna forget that. Save and live on the rest. That we save and live on the rest. So we try our best to live disciplined enough and we're not perfect at it to save for the future and then we live on the rest. And I'll tell you right now, uh, with a 10-year-old and an eight-year-old and a 45-year-old, uh, it's not always easiest to save the way that we, we want to. Uh, and it's not easy to live the way, I mean, we, there are things that I wish I had. They're not even huge. They're just like things that I'm like, man, I really wish I had that. And, and, and so it's, it's not easy sometimes to, to live this way, but it gets easier when I, when I see God's heart, okay? And, and then sometimes, here's what we do, uh, Courtney and I do, sometimes we give each other a little bit of slack uh, in what we do in our budget within reason to get some trees. We, I talked about this a few years ago. We actually call it something we call treat yourself, where we just say, all right, we're just gonna go crazy for like a little bit. Of, now, crazy for us is probably that nuts for you, but we, uh, we're like, you could get those glasses. You know what I mean? Like, we're like, yeah, treat yourself or, whatever let's get those tires you know what I mean like no I'm not kidding it's not the tires I would say better stuff you know what I mean but but we do that uh, but we never waver from the 10 percent it goes it comes from savings it comes from somewhere else but because for us here's what I want to tell you for us like there is no kind of living there's no kind of living that's worth compromising our ability 
to, to out of joy give to God first. Like there's just nothing that will ever compare to that. And, and, and here's where I want to end. I'm not sharing this to pressure you. I hope you knew that. I hope that I was pretty clear on that. Uh, but I just want you to know, like for a lot of us, uh, we want to be a part of something bigger than us. That's why I think you're here. We want to be a part of something that God is doing. And this has a lot to do with what God is doing in your life. And so I just want you to wrestle with what God says, okay? Get a plan. Get a plan and follow it so you don't miss out on what God wants to do in your life when it comes to the grace and joy he can bring, when it comes to living faithfully with your finances. So, so my hope again as we end is, is that you see God's heart in this, that you just see God's heart because he really doesn't need your money. We don't need your money. It's much bigger than that. He wants your heart and it's all about his heart. And it's a heart thing, okay? Uh, but just two questions that we can ask and then, and then I'll be done. So with the money that comes our way, two questions that I think will really go a long way. One, what is making an eternal difference? I think everybody can ask that. Like you can look and see and like just mark, what, what is making an eternal difference? And here's the second one that, you, that I really wanna challenge you as a family, couple, individual. God, what do you want me to do? Maybe he'll change your thinking. Maybe he'll change your heart. Maybe he'll bring blessing as a result. That's my hope, right? That if you just sat down and think about it, and I wanna challenge students here, high school students here, man, get a hold of this real early. This is gonna be the easiest time for you in your life to get this set. I'm telling you right now, that's the best advice I could give you, the best wisdom that I could give you. When you get this set and your hearts are right, I'm telling you, the rest of your life will be set up in such a great way. Anybody say amen to that? I'm telling you, because it'll only get harder. Trust me, it'll only get harder. Amen to that? That was a stronger amen. Did you hear that? I'm just telling you, get a hold of that. But if you just, just wrestle a little bit, wrestle a little bit with what he says and decide, make a plan, write some things down. Follow what the word of God says and see the blessing that will come as a result. God says, test me in this, try me. And I'm telling you the blessing that will come, you won't be able to deal with it because of the faithfulness that you can have. And just so I just want you to start somewhere and, and, and we don't keep one penny. It just comes in and out of our lives, right? It just comes in and out of our lives and it does not care about you. The money does not care about you, but it's one of the greatest opportunities to see God's hand and God's blessing in your life. So let me pray for us. God, thank you that you do talk a lot about this. I think this is a powerful topic. I don't think we talk about it enough to be honest with you. And God, I just pray that, that you can do a work in here today in the hearts uh, of our believers in Jesus Christ. I pray uh, over our ability to see your heart, uh, that this is about the heart. This isn't about an amount. This isn't about uh, compulsion. This isn't about anything except for you want us to see your heart in this and that, that you want our hearts. And God, I just wanna freely give you my heart because of how you changed me. And I pray that, that something changes for somebody in here as a result of that as well. If they have been bought and purchased and redeemed by Jesus Christ, that they can look in the way with their finances and say, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I do what you say, God? We love you. And we are so thankful for, for the fact that we have a freedom here, that we have a freedom to decide. We have a freedom to make a choice. And you're just pointing us in the right direction to, to really find a blessing from you. And we just pray for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody, that concludes our service. Have a great Sunday, and we'll see you here next Sunday.